Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Scarlet's Fever, the home of Sussman Central and Westerer is Besterer. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Rap Podcast with me, Lee G. Joining me as per usual is Hugh. Good evening, Hugh. Good evening, Flat Cap number three in attendance tonight. I believe it's the debut of Flat Cap 3 this evening. De- debut of the blue Flat Cap match to my blue chinos, because I'm stylish. Uh, and this is special because... This is the one that I with aforementioned on last week's pod that I got from Galway. Uh, okay. So it's got a story. It's got a history. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you believe he's got two, two chinos on? I reckon he's starkers. <laughs> Go on. He's just saying that. He's claiming to be... Oh, fair oh, enough. Go on, so joining us this evening on the pod is uh, Welsh Twitter legend Ed Jenks uh, that you just did there. Ed, how are you, my friend? Shumai, bonsoir. How's it going, guys? Right? Very happy uh, Very happy to come on. Thanks for having me. Thanks thanks for having the fucking courage to platform me, frankly. Um, so, yeah. Like, thanks for being that crusading podcast for the, the courage to, to platform me, to hear the truths. Well, I'm surprised you haven't got one of your own, mate. I'd have thought this would have been right up your street no. where you can just sit there and just spout off shit for an hour and and, and people would yeah. sit there and listen to you. I, I can't, uh, I couldn't justify that to myself or frankly to my wife. So uh, <laughs> I think I, I already spend too much time procrastinating on, on Twitter uh, in the morning, especially when I should be working. So uh, no, I think uh, if, I, if I have to like, produce my own podcast or something uh, that would push things over the edge and it would just become ridiculous. So um, you, you, were, you were telling us just how nice the weather is out there just to really rub it into everyone back home listening. So obviously it was Scarlet, so there's everyone walking around the streets of Tenechli where it's pretty dank, dour, pissing down. Um, yeah, still pissing down. Uh, what's the weather like with you? Well, the summer hasn't stopped, to be honest. It's just uh, been just just kept on going. Whereas usually now, this time of year, it would have you know the autumn would have set in a bit. But um, yeah, still in like shorts and t-shirts most of the time. And um, frankly, it's getting on my tits a little bit. Like I was saying, I'd quite happily get back to wearing trousers and uh, not having to use air conditioning at work. So so yeah that's that's I'm, i appreciate it probably got no sympathy but yeah and, and i'm trying to smoke but uh, it's a real it's a real uh it's a real um first world south of france problem uh, shall we say uh, deal with that. But it is getting it is getting worse it's so ridiculously hot here all the time um and it's just uh yeah you must be the only uh, welshman on the planet that goes oh i wish it was raining yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but you know you know where you are with the rain don't you yeah, you oh, can't be the next lot of rain, innit? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I've got this theory about Slethley, that Slethley's only got two types of weather. It's either raining or it's about to rain. Because yeah. outside of that, there's nothing. That's that's the only thing. So it's got different. It's got different types of rain as well, you know. It's like uh, I was having this conversation with someone the other day. Actually, yeah, I was working with um, somebody from Brazil and... Uh, she lived in Ireland, I think, for a few years, and we were talking about the rain. And she was saying about how it's funny that uh, in Ireland they have lots of different words for different types of rain. I said, well, it's kind of the same in Wales, you know. The weather report is not really the weather report. It's just like the rain report. So like, what kind of rain are we going to have tomorrow? Is it going to be drizzly? It's going to be showers? Is it going to be sleet? Is it going to be fucking horizontal? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I work with someone from Brazil as well, and we were talking about rain, and I was like, "Oh, it's like a monsoon out there," and she was like, "No, no. <laughs> I'll t- I'll tell you what it's like. That's not, that's not a monsoon yeah. in the country of the rainforest." 
Yeah. <laughs> so, Ed, for, for people who don't know what you do on Twitter, uh, and there's not many of them, so tell us, give us a flavour of what you do on Twitter and, and how it kind of starts and, and things like that. Well, what do I do? I don't really have a... I don't really have a blueprint. Um, I just typically... Okay, so typically when I tweet, uh, I go in, I leave the home at about six in the morning, uh, take my kids into school, get the office about eight, um, have a cup of tea, uh, which time I feel too knackered to do much work for about an hour, and I just lie on the thing and I just procrastinate on Twitter, and it's then when I do most of my tweeting, to be honest, even that sort of early hour or so, and. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just um, well, obviously, I'm a I'm a rugby fan. I've been mad about rugby since I was, you know, an infant, and um, always enjoy talking about it. And um, I think, um, well, to get serious about it for a moment, uh, probably what started years ago is just being um, a Welsh person away from Wales, and uh, you know. It was kind of my outlet into just speaking to other Welsh people about rugby and uh, sharing, you know, chat about rugby, but also it's more than that. It's about, you know, um, the sense of humour, enjoying that as well. And uh, so it's a bit long and rambling, but um, I don't really have, I don't really have a, an outlook or a blueprint. I, I just like, like to enjoy myself, um, you know, have a, bit of a, have, a, have a bit of fun now and again. Um, you know, some people, sometimes people get the joke, sometimes they don't. Um, mostly they don't. Um, especially the South African ones. Uh, the Irish ones are kind of hit and miss 50 50. But um, yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so there's that. And I also just, uh, I just like, uh, you know, revealing the truth and exposing hypocrisy and all that kind of serious shit as well. Like, uh, uh, so who's your favorite, like, international fans who's the favorite ones to wind up because I, I i quite like australians because you can wind them up in the middle of the day and night and then they all wake up in the morning and then they argue amongst themselves about something you said the night before and then you wake up in the morning and you've got a whole load of new arguments to go back <laughs> at sort of thing so i i quite like aussies but who who do you prefer kind of winding up or who takes the bake the most well i find the antipodeans aren't that prolific on twitter um I don't know if it's just not that much used. I mean, obviously, we have the time zone thing, so, you know, you can't really sort of, like, get into a war of words with them uh, live, as it were. You, you do have to mm. sort of wait until they wake up, mm. which takes a little bit of the edge off. But, yeah, for example, Kiwis, I'm not really... don't really have much chat with Kiwis there. Um, until a few years ago, I didn't really have any exposure to South Africans either, but that's been an eye-opener because, um, you know, nowadays... Uh, I, I like to, you know, when there's something on like the World Cup or the Six Nations or something big, I like to make some predictions, you know, as conversation starters, shall we say. And now basically 95% of replies are just like furious South Africans, you know. <laughs> oh, you're talking cuck, bro. Like, uh, just, just, like just going nuts at me um, because I, because I, um, I uh, tipped South Africa to lose. So now I'm just, just too tempting to, to, to not tip them to lose, if you know what I mean. Because uh, just you know, all you have to do to infuriate them is to just say that you don't think they're going to win. And if, if, if it's among, like, so the quarterfinal prediction, so you say quarterfinal, I think this team, uh, this match will go that way, that match will go that way. And then South African when I said, I reckon France will give them a proper, uh, proper good thump in, which <clears throat> I hope they do. But like, uh, uh, and, and then 90% of my plays is, not anyone talking about any of the other matches, just angry South Africans, furious South Africans, some of them, genuinely furious, you know, it's like, I, say, yeah, I just I think have. I better not, I better not, I better not continue this with them because like, they're going to, they're going to lose their temper in the real world and like give their dog a kick in or something. Like I just, I don't want that on my conscience. So just, just, I, just I try and keep it, I try and keep it light. Are you all right, mate? Just... <laughs> 
I've found that the Irish-South African back and forth this World Cup has been exhausting. I'm so oh, bored of it. Hell. Oh, it's fucking tedious, isn't it? The, the Irish-South African uh, rugby Twitter loving does my head in. It's, it's the most boring, tedious, and the chat is so, is so shit as well. Like, come on, lads, give it a break. The US I do, I do a twi- Twitter space with some South African fans, and when you're talking selection with them, they're actually like dead, like head screwed on, and they go, right, okay, well, the, the game plan is this, and the options are this, and the combinations are this. Like, you compare that to like a Wales selection debate where you get people going like, well, I don't like the way we're playing. We need to get rid of all these players. Yeah. He's rubbish. He's crap. <laughs> we need to get him in. This guy who's playing for, I don't know, Carmarthen down in the, in the premiership, he <laughs> wants to be playing for Wales. Whereas South Africans are more screwed on, but then you get some of the comments, and you're like, all right, okay, it's just a game, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they, they, they take it, they take it very seriously. I don't know if it's like a difference, um, in sense of humor and, um, and uh, I, maybe they just don't get the nuances. Not uh, that sounds like talking down. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I think they just maybe have a different, um, uh, style of discourse, different sense of humor, yeah. and uh, it just doesn't come across like sometimes when you're being a bit wry or taking the piss for one to the. But better words on, on on the rap podcast on Monday, uh, all the rest of the boys predicted England to beat Fiji, and I just I just couldn't bring myself to to do that. I couldn't. There's no way in the world I could predict an England win, let alone you know even if it was a point or whatever. So I I quite comfortably predicted a, a Fiji win by a good yep. comfortable twenty points, you know. <laughs> and the shit I had off that was I like I. I'm not, you know, one, I'm not putting any money on it. So I'm not going to, you know, it's not like there's money at stake here. And two, it's a prediction. You know, yeah. if, if you don't like it, people, then... People lose their minds about predictions, though. <laughs> they lose their minds. Yeah. Well, talking about predictions and rugby <laughs> and, and things like that, let's let's talk about the Scarlets, because you're a, you're a big Scarlets fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's that going for you at the minute? Because it's, it's pretty rough for the rest of us. <laughs> Probably about as well as it's going for anyone, to be honest. I mean, I'm trying to be philosophical about it. Um, I think there's still a lot of good stuff going on down at the Scarlet. Um, I think that given the circumstances, it's a comparatively well-run club. And that's I, I, what I get from speaking to people involved, quite high levels at other clubs. You know, I think we do well to get lots of sponsors and, um, you know, lots of local sponsors and engaging the community. I mean, of course, uh, I'm sure people will have stories saying there's things we don't do well and, and I wouldn't dispute that for a moment. But, um, you know, we still manage to bring through a fair, uh, fairly decent amount of talent, albeit perhaps uh, not the level we were five, ten years ago. But then that's something which can, uh, I'm sure, be righted with the right investment and work and everything. I mean, I still have this undying belief that we're the greatest club in the world uh, and uh, that we will become the first uh, European club to do La Decima, 10 European Cups. I still like uh, very much tied to that. When's that going to start? Keeps me going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's not about when it started, but it's about when it finishes. You know, don't uh, <laughs> don't be don't get impatient. But um, I don't know. I I feel like obviously it's frustrating watching this week in week out, and and it's hard to have any real um, high expectation about the coming season. But I think there are green shoots, and I think that I think we are. I think we can build off of what's going on. I think a lot of the problems we have in Welsh rugby with funding and you know being in the URC and all this kind of stuff is it's kind of out of our control. So we've got to roll with it. But um, no, I think that there are green shoots. I think um, I, I I think what Dwayne is doing is good. Um, I like some of the players we signed for the coming season: Plumtree, Lloyd. I mean, these boys, uh, you know, signed them on potential. And they're not going to bring us like that power game that perhaps helps. You know, we need to compete at the top level, but the certainly extremely skillful athletic players, which is fits in well with our DNA and just keep on keeping on, isn't it? Really? I mean, uh, I I don't know. I mean, probably come on to it about what your expectations are for the season. I mean, do, do you share? Do you share? Am I being optimistic? Am I being? 
am I being deluded or, or what were what are your guys' perspectives? I'd say that I'd say that ten European trophies is optimistic, definitely. Uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> that's over the next that's over the next twelve or thirteen seasons, so we've got time to get there. Uh, okay. okay. But sometimes I think it helps to be deluded to be a Scarlet supporter. Uh, there was a point last season. I, where... I dispute that we're deluded. I don't think. I think we're. The, I think we're. The, I think we're the most balanced fan base, and uh, yeah, accurate, balanced, and best looking as well. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I spent some time talking to Monster fans, and obviously Monster fans are on top of the world at the moment. But and God love them. I don't want to slag them off or anything, but I don't. I don't wish I was a Monster fan. I'm glad I slag I'm a them off. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> Why no, does that not surprise us? No, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to get you. I don't want to start you lads off with any beefs with any, any other podcasts like by talking shit about Munster. But I can if you win. But like yeah, Munster. <laughs> See, but it's good that we we're in a position where up is the only way, really. For this, if if we end up in a worse league position this season than we were last season, I mean. Fucking hell, something seriously, seriously wrong if we end up like that. And I just, like I said, we, we've we've signed a lot of good quality players. Um, I keep calling him Titicum, but it's not; it's Titcum. Um, the outside out. Uh, um, he's one of the he's one of the size boys who came from the university league, isn't he? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, and, I don't know anything about I don't know anything about those. As I, I can only assume that if they've got. Pro contracts at this level, it must be pretty tidy. So mm. that's great. I mean, but it's like punts, you know. It's it's kind of like mm. um, what else can we expect? You know, we we signed, we got, we picked up some gems in the past. I mean, you know, remember signing guys like back in the day, like the Easterby brothers, you know, Di Hodges, Finau, like uh, a lot of this that we built one of our strongest teams of the pro era. I would not our strongest team of the pro era, uh, you know, uh, on. Um, so we've done it before, and I think it's just we don't really have a choice. But um, Tyke Burns, some of them, some of them come that. off, some of them don't. You know, hmm. Tyke Burn is is the one. Oh, Burn, the, Burn, yeah, of yeah. course, Tyke Burn. We made yeah. Tyke Burn. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we, we made the Easterby boys. Like, there would be nothing, nothing <laughs> if it wasn't for us. <laughs> but Isle, Islands, Islands Rugby World Cup campaign would be nowhere yeah. if it wasn't for us developing Tyke Burn. Yeah. When he was lifting that URC trophy for Manchester, he'd be in he just thought he did it with us. He should be paying us fucking royalties for typing, I'm telling you now. <laughs> well, and Easterby. I mean, Easterby's right-hand man in Ireland now. And yeah, Easterby. Fuck me. For, yeah. Um, the, 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 the brainchild of their, of, their, of their clinical forward dominance over the last two or three years, the, the linchpin of their pack, it's all made in flashy like. Yeah. It was all don't get all that. The don't get. I don't see that getting uh, enough credit, to be honest. So I'm here well, to change that. I can. I can see a point in the future where Easterby will come home. I can. I can see a point after the World Cup, where his contract ends after the World Cup. He still lives in Wales, and yeah. he's, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's, he's married. Isn't he married to Sarah Elgin of Westbedwick? That's it. Oh, the, yeah. the, yeah, the yeah. TV that's presenter, right. isn't yeah. he? I think yeah. I think I got that right. Or yeah. another TV yeah, yeah, presenter. Yeah, yeah. I think that's correct, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, he's constantly back and forth. And then, you know, that takes it out of you after a while. And your kids are growing up and all that kind of stuff. So coming back home to Wales kind of makes sense. Um, and I can see someone finding a vacancy for him. And I hope it's us. I genuinely it'd be amazing, yeah. I mean, I mean, coming home to us or maybe getting involved in the national setup. I mean, um, to use a sort of wanky buzz term that's going around a lot, but that would be great rugby IP to get mm. back from there. Um, to get 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 back guys like him and McBride eventually. Um, because you know, mm. for all they do my head in, they're doing a lot of things right in Ireland in terms of coaching and development of players so it'd be great to um hmm. to have a little bit of that coming back great to tap and... tap into that and uh, you know get some insight that'll be that'll be great hmm. so let's let's do Hello. let's do URC stuff then so I mean pre-season has been pretty shit and everything's kind of I mean we've we've we brought some good players in we've not really seen much of them in all honesty um, what are we expecting 
from the URC season. What's your thoughts on how we... We're starting off in South Africa, two games in South Africa. What's your thoughts on that? What do you reckon, Hugh? I think it's going to be a tough start. I think, you know, you used to be able to look at the, the league and pick out some easy games, whether it be like the Italian sides or some or Connacht or, or someone like that. They're not easy games anymore. I mean, Zebra obviously were pretty pretty poor last season. And Italian rugby sadly doesn't look like it's in a good place at the moment. But um, other than Zebra, I don't think there's an easy game. And I think if you're going away from home, especially, you're struggling to pick out a win. Um, so, you know... What would the, even if the box is still away at the World Cup, I still don't necessarily think any any URC team, let alone the Scarlets, is going to get many results down in South Africa anytime soon. Uh, it's quite funny watching all of the uh, the English find that out in the Champions Cup when they go, "Are oh, URCs this and that," and then they go down and play them themselves and go, "Oh, this is a bit hard." Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a tough start. I just don't want to be in the position we were in last time where we're going to Christmas and we haven't won a game. And we're just like, the season's over before it's even begun. That's just what I'm hoping to avoid. Mm. I, I think that I think that we, we ended, the second, the back end of last season was promising. Uh, we had a great sort of, the sort of third quarter of the season, the run-in. We, we, we were brilliant. We went on an unbeaten run with some great results. Um, it was the reign kind of terror, of te- as I re- recall. The reign of terror, yeah, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So some guy put some that PR spin on. I can't remember who, but yeah, um, yeah. So it was reign of terror over, over the back end of last season, and then we sort of fell off a little bit at the end. Uh, even though you know, we, in the end, we had nothing to play for because we were so cock the first half of the season. But uh, uh, I think if we continue on that. We, we found our style of play and we found uh, our balance and uh, we started to look good. And um, hopefully with boys like Costello coming back from the World Cup, um, full of confidence, hopefully get another season or two out of uh, Caudo. I think there's every reason to be confident that we can, you know, kick on from last season at least. We haven't lost a significant amount of players, apart from California, obviously, although... You know, with his age profile, and say he's probably coming, probably only going to get another year out of him max anyway. Um, so I, I think we can develop and kick on. I mean, it would probably be, I mean, it, the best case scenario, I think, if we could try and qualify for the playoffs. You know, I think we're, we're, I think we are, we're around mid table if you just look at it objectively in terms of the quality in our squad and what we can do. So why not, you know, get into that uh, playoffs and take it from there, you know? Mm. Um, mm. I just think that we're, we're going to struggle like we have in recent years for power um, and depth key times during the Six Nations could probably be a lot of kids playing uh, but we're not in a position where like Cardiff are in where they're basically going to be <laughs> playing semi-pros and under under 20s half the time um, mm. so and they're, they're in the European Cup as well and they're going to be absolutely uh, moiled week in week out but um, well, yeah one, mid-table, one of the... mid-table playoff, that would be great. Maybe win the win the Challenge Cup. Mm, that would be nice. <laughs> well, yeah. One of the boys on the on the Cardiff uh, podcast has put a fiver on Cardiff winning the European Cup because the odds are like five hundred to one. So he's gone. Well, I'll have a fiver on that, and we'll we'll see how that comes. I mean, I I don't think the Scarlet season in in, is... in what year. In what year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody said oh, what year. They just said that they. Can did. we? Can we? Can we just? Can we just pause and, and do a little like um, detour about Cardiff for a second? I'm not going to reveal too much, but I think there's some pretty interesting stuff there happening behind the scenes that could transform transform them. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to see it because I don't want to. I don't want to like. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off fair if you want. But uh, yeah, I've heard some pretty uh, interesting stuff about that. So Cardiff could be going places. In the next few years, I think. If you say if, going if, places, whatever, if what do you mean? <laughs> like, in a good mean? sense. In a, in a good sense. Not, 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 as in going, not as in going, <laughs> not as in going somewhere else, or going, going bankrupt. Although that could have been the case. Um, but I think, uh, mm. I think uh, Cardiff could be into some in uh, some pretty interesting times. But then we're all tied into this six-year agreement, and no matter how much money we now get into the club, the playing budget 
is set by the WIU. So, yeah. Yes and yeah. no. I mean, come on, these WIU agreements, they're not worth the people they're written on half the time. Yeah, and I was, like, was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they make it up as they go along. I think, I think if real money were to come into the game, um, then the WIU are not going to say, oh, yeah, but you can't spend more than 3.2 million uh, on... Uh, you're not gonna, I think they're going to be like, oh, yeah, fuck that, go for it, boys. Because hmm. as well, they, they want the clubs in private hands because they can't... They have neither the desire... Know the interest, know the means to, to run them themselves, like have union run teams like you do in Ireland or, or, or elsewhere. Um, they need them to be run privately. So I think if significant private investment were to come in, then uh, they, they, they wouldn't uh, put a serious roadblock in the way of that. Why would they? Mm. Well, I you agree. know, Scarlet have just announced that uh, uh, who's it again? Yeah, oil for Wales are sponsoring again. So you know, it's. Um, it's <laughs> I don't think we're quite the at the Dubai investment yet, but you know, the boys are getting there. We. Yeah. Mike Mike Phillips is working on that for us. He's out there in Dubai. He's working hard. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was very brave of S4C to give Mike Phillips a microphone. And nobody with him, and just ask him to go and and talk about stuff with people in the crowd, and you know. So Mike just give. Did us they do that? Message. Yeah, Jesus. With, with Mike Phillips, and you're like, so the, the editor's got to be on the on the button there, and go go to advert, go to advert. But, yeah, the, but... the, the 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 SOC uh, World Cup coverage is actually I find being a lot of fun. I, I don't I don't watch a lot of it. I just mainly watch the games live on sort of French TV. But when I want to watch uh, playback, or I, I, for example, I, I missed the Georgia game live. I was watching Sean at a game last weekend away, so I went to see that exactly the same time. So I missed it live. Watched it back on S4C, and the coverage is a lot of fun. Hmm. You know, uh, Robin McBride and Mike Phillips uh, hilarious together. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more like uh, sort of in jokes and intimacy, and in fact, it's all like. Hmm. <laughs> Welsh and just like a bunch of people who've known each other for a long time. It's, it's quite funny. Um, even Jason Mohammed comes across really well. And I don't mean, I mean, when he's on telly as a news reader or whatever, he's he's very straight down the line, like, you know, and he's actually, because he can relax a bit, I guess, he, he comes across really well, I find. No, they have some good, I um, yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, they roll him out for the World Cup. I don't know how much of the rugby stuff he'll be doing, but. Uh, I really like Lauren Jenkins. I think she's um, I think she's a fantastic rugby journalist and fantastic broadcaster. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite good. I mean, I I watch that. I hear a lot of people whinging and moaning about um, uh, the HTV coverage. Watched a bit of that and it's fucking unwatchable. Like uh, so. <laughs> right, what were you we uh, talking about? I, t- I, to- I totally uh, segued into some something else completely different now. Did you see there was a uh, a photo on Twitter of my favourite commentator, uh, uh, Shanklin, commentating on the Fiji game from a studio? Yeah. So the actual live commentary, he was watching the game on telly like the rest of us, and then that was being broadcast as if they were in the bloody stadium. I mean, how... Fucking cheap is that? It's, yeah, and it was it was like listening to paint dry. It was awful. But there we go. That's I'm not going to get because he's very sensitive, is Tom, and he doesn't like it when people say things, especially when you say it on his Twitter timeline. As I, yeah, I'm going <laughs> okay, to tag in. I'm going to tag in. Uh, I'm going to tag in. Uh, tag him into a, a tweet now with the, with this video clip of you uh, destroying him. <laughs> Yeah. See, this is the bit I love about doing interviews with, with people in different places is that you get a whole rugby training session going on in the back and someone having a beer. I, I can't fault that. Yeah. Do, do, you know, do you want me to show you around a little bit? So I'll show you around, yeah, right? Go on. Yeah. So okay, this, well, is, for this is funny. This, this is bit might be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. So I'll try and uh, I'll try and narrate it as when as when with an audio book to really bring it to, to, to life in a vivid sense. So uh, it's about seven about seven year local time. 
Uh, here we have the training pitch. We have like six training pitches. They're all sort of 5G. And uh, here we have the under-18s doing a training session. So my son plays for them. He's, uh, you see him, he's the one with the ridiculous stuff on his head. Um, and uh, they have been, they'll be training until about eight o'clock. Behind me, we have the main stadium, which you can't see here because it's got all these marquees there. This is like all the VIP area. It's like about five 5,000 seat the stadium. And uh, the club plays in the French third division, so Nacional, but um, have a fully professional squad, probably a budget comparative to something like the Dragons or something like that. Uh, we have a few players at the World Cup as well, so that's quite exciting. Uh, Scotland used this installation for, uh, they've used it as their base for the entire World Cup. And um, they recently left because I believe they got knocked out. Is that true? <laughs> well, didn't they get um, robbed? Didn't, didn't, Scotland, didn't Scotland get brutally robbed and, and yeah, knocked out despite being a world happen. record? Yeah. Oh, you got your mug through. Amazing. I'm yeah, still yeah. waiting for mine. <laughs> but that's, that's, <laughs> from, that's, that's from, Le- from Leslie, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm waiting for mine. So uh, they left you, and fair play to them, uh, fair play to Scots, take the piss and all that. But they left behind about 50 grand with the state of the art uh, kit, wow. training kit, like a, like a connected scrum machine, I believe. I, I, I want to see that, you know, it's like... Is that one that it kind of measures the, the pressure going up against and yeah. it can push back and stuff? Yeah. So, the, yeah. The, Scotland, Scotland, the SIU got a long relationship with Stadley Swire. They used to be shareholders in the club until, oh. like, around before COVID because they had this thing whereby... Because um, uh, they've only got two pro teams. Mm. Um, they wanted a decent level of rugby beneath the pro teams to develop players this is a big problem in Wales as well right we're just twatting around with the premiership to try and do something with it they do this super six thing or something in Scotland which I don't think really works seven either now. There's, there's seven yeah right now. so they, 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 their strategy a few years ago was like we're just going to invest in a, in a French second third tier club and send our best days over there because it's a much higher level of rugby it's basically mm. pro rugby it's like second tier level pro rugby so um they did that, and a number of current Scottish internationals actually played out here. What's the boy who fell down the steps when he was pissed and went ended up on the World Cup? Oh, the yeah, just before. Cherry, yeah. Dave Cherry. Yes. Dave Cherry yeah. started off his pro career in Nice, which is quite ironic, seeing as how it seemed to have ended here as well. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, among others, so we had a few. Uh, and so they basically, there's a long relationship with the SIU. They, they're not shareholders in the club anymore because the club went through the leagues, and I think they needed more serious investment and it just the, the level it's at now you can't just bring in promising under 18 under 20 boys and chuck them in it's just far too high level of rugby so who so, so, was the first person from the SIU who floated that idea it's like what are we going to do about developing young players you know why don't you buy me a plane ticket to Nice trust me trust me with this I think it did work it brought in it it brought in a few players who ended up getting like becoming first team regulars in Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, and I think it was not a bad strategy, but it obviously required a lot of investment because to run a club even at this level is big money. You know, Nisa Nisa currently close to the top of National, they're trying to get into Pro Deux. Mm-hmm. And you know, Pro Deux budgets are bigger than pretty much anything in the URC outside of Ireland. So mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's 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 not it's not a those clubs, clubs who are aspiring to that are not really development tools in, in that sense. Mm. You know, there's a lot of pressure week in, week out to win your games and to have strong squads. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah when I was so, so, so I've run his course. <laughs> it run his course and then COVID came along and then they just yeah, did off. Yeah. When, when I was visiting the south of France, I did get a sense of like, oh, no, rugby is actually big here. Like, rug- people properly care about rugby. And that's not like it is in England, even in somewhere like the Midlands, which is normally a rugby, like, place in, in England it's like oh no in South France no rugby is like the sport oh yeah it's, it's huge like to give you an idea um, well anecdotally I mean we, we play we have away we have away fans we have like hundreds sometimes over a thousand away fans for a match here when clubs like historical clubs like Nabon Bezier these are big clubs with big followings which are really the heartbeat of their towns a bit like Schnelli and Scarlet's you know, it's very similar to South Wales or what it once was in South Wales, especially with towns like Ponty, Clashley, Neath. You know, these mm. clubs revolve around the, the rugby club. 
Mm. Um, last year, when Sean was in the under 16s, they got to the semi final of the of the championship cup. Uh, and it's the first time a club from Nice because the academy is quite young and has got to that so it was about a couple of thousand people in the stadium they played against uh, Beauvoir who brought down about three or four hundred fans for an under-16s match right so um, <laughs> with with drums and flares and all kinds of mad shit wow. it's brilliant and this <laughs> is for like an under-16s match so yeah. this is the kind of passion you have Nice is a big city mm. club so Nice is the fifth biggest city in France it's primarily a football city, although it does have a rugby history. But the, the strength of rugby around here goes to Toulon, which is just down the road, you know. Toulon is the rugby place. But Nice is a big city, it's quite a wealthy city, so there's big plans to develop the club and to, to bring it through. But, yeah, to, to, to there's, in the south of France, there's, there's incredible passion and clubs which are incredibly well-supported. Like in National, which is, again, the third tier, you have clubs which regularly draw in thousands you know, every week, clubs, you know, better attendances than anything, some of the worst attendances in the URC. I mean, they put like the Italian teams and, you know, uh, even some of the Welsh teams at times to shame with their attendances. Mm. Um, but see, that's that's so what we... Proper big, yeah. Yeah, that's what we, we need more of is like when you're talking about the drums and the flares and the... It's it's an event. If you're 16 and you're running out and people are on the drums and all this kind of stuff, and <clears throat> yeah, you're yeah. gonna love that game, do you know. And and it's, it's, it's a yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 amazing. And uh, but you can't manufacture that. That's the mm. thing. It's either part of the culture, like in other. I think you get that different degrees in different um, rugby countries. So I know that in, for example. Well, Ireland and South Africa, schools rugby is a big thing, right? So you see, it's just part of their rugby history and DNA, whereas it doesn't, it's not really, never been a thing in Wales. So you go to schools matches where you have like thousands of people watching and people, are, you know, super passionate about it and all that. And, you know, that's that's their thing. In, in, in France, it's always been club rugby. So there's an extremely passionate and uh, loyal uh, following for club rugby in the south of France. Um, and they fostered that over over a, for over a century. I mean, the Bouclier de Brennus, the French Championship, it's been going on since the 19th century. You know, so you can't you can't just build that thing overnight. And that's, uh, I mean, I, I mean, this this could be a whole other podcast. So I'm not going to bore you tits <laughs> off about it. But this is my whole thing about regions and the URC and all this. It's just like totally manufactured constructs to sort of build something out of nothing with no real pedigree and mm. you know it's always destined to be a bit tepid to be honest I think but um that's the strength of French rugby though that is the strength of French rugby is is and as you see at this World Cup I mean it's basically props up the professional game I mean I saw a stat the other day about how many uh players at the World Cup are employed in France you know um yeah. It's like the majority, like especially when you talk about tier two, the majority of tier two players, and I'm thinking like 80, 90%, something ridiculous, are, are employed in French, in French rugby. I mean, there's 16 clubs put into 14. There's like, there's about 45, 50 fully pro rugby clubs in France with fully yeah. pro squads and academy systems and all the rest of it. And it's just, it's just mind blowing. There's no, nothing anywhere near that anywhere else in the world no no well i'm gonna start a campaign now for for this season to get somebody inside parker scarlet's one one person's got to bring a trumpet for a game and then someone's got to bring a big a big drum and then we're just gonna sing and have songs all the way through and that's gonna be the start of the future way of that we do the scarlets. That's um, that's my mission now for this season is to make scarlets more I mean we need the sun, I'll give you that. So but <laughs> to make it more French. So we'll have some some trumpets and some drums, maybe you wear some your dance. Where you bury to a match, that'll be a start. We we already we already have the, we already have the best fans. That's the great thing about the Scarlets. We, we are the best fans. Like there's nothing even. Close. Uh, you see, I was listening to the Dragons it's, podcast the other day, and apparently they have the best fans. Bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's nothing. There's nothing like you go Scarlets away. Like for example, I go a lot of Scarlets away trips in France. It's just amazing the atmosphere, the singing, the passion. Mm. It's brilliant. 
And I went to um, Scarlets versus London Irish when London Irish were in Reading, God rest their souls, um, a couple of years ago. And there was like three times as many Scarlets fans as there was London Irish fans at that game. Mm. Yeah, but that's right. That's, we are a proper club. We are a proper club with a proper fan base and a proper history and all the rest of it. Mm. And that's how you, you know, that's, that's, that's how you build it. You can't construct that. And we still hate the Ospreys. Regardless of which club it is, whether it's Neath or whether exactly. it's who, who aren't you know. who aren't a proper club, you know, <laughs> we're just a, a total construct. God, I can just see so many clips coming out of this. We just go, oh, here's, do, here's do I do <laughs> I get in? Is there an Ospreys podcast? Yeah, like, yeah. Like they don't have yes, fucking Ospreys, yeah. do they? Yeah. I'm surprised about that. Okay. Well, he does them all. I do them all. I yeah. start. I started them all, mate. I I need to wind you somebody fl- up. You slug. He's, he's, he's on all of them. He's like... Yeah, but this is where my heart is. Really? Is, yeah, wow. yeah. So let's let's talk Wales and the World Cup then. Let's, um, what have you made of the World Cup? Obviously, you're, you're out there. You're um, yep. in, in the area. What have, you, what have you made of it from where you are? I think it's been great. I mean, um, I mean it's created so much interest. Um, just... So I coach the under twelves here in Nice, and uh, we've had to, we've got like about seventy kids, and uh, we had to turn away loads more. We just couldn't didn't have the capacity, wow. um, and that's the World Cup. I mean, it's a it's a big club anyway in terms of having I mean, lots of you know average fifty sixty players per age group, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just been mad, and um, and uh, the interest is generated. The buzz, it's been great. I was, I was here. I went to all three games in Nice. I went to, I went to Wales, Portugal, Japan, England, and Italy, Uruguay, which is a really great game. And um, yeah, it's been magnificent. So um, it's been a pleasure to 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 be involved with it and to to see it. And I'm really really looking forward to going to Marseille. So I'm going to match on Saturday. I got uh, some friends coming over. We're all going to the match, uh, go for a couple of days in Marseille. That would be amazing. And I'm so glad we've drawn Argentina as well. If, if for no other reason, then it'll be a great atmosphere and they will have, we'll have a great laugh. And, you know, hmm. um, hmm. yeah, so, there's quite a few Argentinian boys at the club, like, so we've been having a, having a bit of chat about that. Uh, yeah. So, Hugh. What are you making of team selections? Obviously, Falatau is the key one. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, do you risk bigger to start with, just coming back? Oh, I don't think oh, Anscombe's yeah. going to be back. But what's what's your call on um, on selection then for, for Saturday? No, wait, bigger, all, bigger all play. As I've got no doubt in my mind that Dan Bigger's going to play. Um, this is of, He's retiring after the World Cup, so he, he doesn't want that uh, Australia game going off in the 10th minute or whatever it was to be his last cap. So he'll, he'll play in this game. I've got absolutely no, no doubt. It, this is, this is how he's made. This is how he's built. I think Faletau, um, Faletau is obviously a miss and we're a worse team without him, but I don't think it's an end of the world injury. I don't think it's like if Sexton went down for Ireland or um, so no. a, a player like that. I think, we're, I think we're better with him in the team, but I don't think it's game over without him. We In 2019, we didn't have him either, and we got to the um, semi-final without him for that as well. Uh, so I think Wayne Wright just moves across to number eight. Um, and then the question about is who goes to number six, and that, that's the debate, isn't it? Is Do you put a six at six, or do you put Jack Morgan at six and have Tommy Raffel come in at seven? Personally, I'd go Morgan and Raffel. I think that's probably the future for us anyway. Um, I just don't think. I think Lydiot is is coming to the end, and I don't think Shunza is ready. Um, so I would go Jack Morgan over at six and Rafael in at seven. And then other than that, it would be it's going to be identical to the team that beat Australia. Mm. So there's been a lot of chat today about the structure, basically the back row and who goes where and all of that kind of stuff. So. What's, what's your thoughts on the on the back row, Ed? Because this has literally filled my timeline for today. It's just been constant. Um, what do you make of the back row selection? I think uh, I agree with everything that he was just said. I think uh, obviously 
Balotel was our best option at eight. Um, I think he still he struggled for the last couple of years to deliver on a consistently high level that we've become used to. Um, I trust Wainwright to do a great job at eight. So I think that, that selection is natural. Wainwright to eight. I really rate Wainwright, always have done. So, you know, glad to see him playing back at his best. Um, so I'm happy with that, albeit, you know, we can't have anything happen to him now because that, that we are really um, struggling after that. Um, the rest of the back row selection is interesting. I think uh, I'd agree with you. I think uh, uh, Raffel at open side and uh, moving, over, moving Jack over is probably the right way to go, albeit... I would, uh, if we had somebody, if we had like a prime Lydiat or if, you know, Chunza was ready, I'd prefer like a proper big six who's going who's gonna to get you that quick ball. Because I think that's where we are going to struggle against big. I think, I think we might, especially now with um, uh, Matera out, I think, uh, I think we'll be all right, even if we have a smaller back row. But I do worry if we get like uh, an island or a New Zealand in the semi-final, we need we we need that like big powerful athleticism, especially uh, to combat them uh, around the breakdown and try and you know combat them on the on the gain line because we don't have those big athletic back rowers otherwise. And I don't think that. Well, I would disagree with you. I think that going forward, I think it's one one of uh, Raffle or Morgan uh, not both and then we do need a proper six because I think our back row it lacks the size and athleticism otherwise to compete at a really high level to do really you know whether it's a big whether it's a big um, you know like smash merchant like Lydia who's going to get you that uh, put in those high tack counts and get you that quick ball and slow down the opposition on the game line or if it's more athletic six like somebody like uh, Plumtree for example or or Chunza if either of them come through I don't think essentially having two open sides is going to you know I think it lacks a bit of balance especially in terms of line out I mean uh, I know here at an elite level uh, at the club for example they were talking the other day that out of the back five you need four line out options to be a serious team and I don't think that you know already with Raffle and Raffle and uh, and Morgan, you got that you've only you've got three line options by default there. So I think you need somebody, you need a back, you need a six which is a bit more rounded. And I think then you just let uh, Morgan and Raffle tear each other to shreds to be the best, a bit like Warburton and Tipper did for a decade. And we got so much out of those two players, but I think they 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 got a lot out of each other as well. You know, I mean. I don't think either of them would have been as good as they were if they didn't have the other one and that pushing them in that competition. So I think that's amazing that to have two such great talents going forward, taking us through the next decade, more or less. So I think that's magnificent, but we do need to find a proper six. But for, for this World Cup, I think he was right. It's got to be uh, Raffle and Morgan because there's nothing else there, really. Hmm. I, I think the thing with our, well, the back row as a whole in Wales at the minute, we're totally blessed with sevens. You know, even at the Scarlets were McLeod and Dan Davis, you know, two international quality sevens. Ospreys have got two international sevens. Cardiff have got about six international sevens. And the Dragons have got two. You know, so sevens, everyone's got a bucket load of them. Number eight, yeah. it's 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 slightly more difficult. And I would like to see Shunza coming in at number eight. I think having a, a six foot six, 19 stone athlete pick the ball up at the back of the scrum and go at a tiny little outside half, you know, maybe for the Barbarians game is a chance to to kind of show him what he can do, sort of thing. But yeah, Shinza well, that's, that's kind of what of... Gatland tried to do with Seb Davis, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think yeah. Shinza can do it. I think I genuinely think Shinza at the back of a scrum, I'd, I'd love to see him pick up a ball and just have a run at some. Tiny little, preferably an English outside half. I'd love to see a wee little English guy going, fuck me, look at the size of him as as he runs over the top of him. I think that would be a good experience that the world could share and just watching Shunza 
run over the top just, of anything. Just on a side note, have I told you my theory of who I think is going to be wearing the England number 10 jersey in three years' time? Go on in. Go on in. Callum Sheedy. <laughs> Oof. No, but hang on a second. <laughs> he doesn't even qualify for England, does he? He, does, he qualifies no, he for Ireland, qualify. Wales and, and England. Yeah, he does. He qualifies for three. three no, he qualified for England initially. He qualifies for Ireland, right? That's true. He could play for Ireland, but I don't think he could play for England because he qualified for England through residency. It has to be through ancestry. It can't just be because you previously qualified once upon a time on residency. Uh, I think that's out the window now. But I think he can, he could still, for example, play for Ireland if he doesn't get picked by Wales in three years. But I think the England thing is done. He will have a, Unless, a spreadsheet, mate. There'll, there'll be a whole list of spreadsheets. Actually, actually, actually <laughs> can I take all that back? Because I think he knows a lot more about this kind of like, <laughs> rugby geek kind of shit than me. So he's probably going to put my pants down now. You, you throw, I'm going to actually, research you. in the background. You've thrown, you've thrown me. Actually, you. I think you'll find. He's going to fucking, he's going to ruin, he's going to fucking ruin me now, isn't he? He's, he's going to no, spend I'll the rest of the research that week. in the background. He'll have gonna... a, everyone's got a granddad from everywhere. Everyone's got a nana from everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, right, let's, let's quickly talk Argentina and predictions for the World Cup. Where do we think Wales are going to end up? What's the score on Saturday? So, Ed, score prediction on Saturday. It doesn't need to be realistic. It's just a prediction. I think, um, I think if we play like we did against Australia, um, then I think we'll do really well. And I'm quite confident that we will because we, as we've seen against George and Portugal, we sort of look a bit uncomfortable. We're a team that doesn't like to be uh, in the driving seat and have the ball a lot. Uh, so I think we actually play better against better teams than we do against weaker teams when we're expected to take the initiative because we're not really an initiative-taking team uh, at the moment. Against Argentina, obviously, they're another you know, uh, powerful Tier 1 team and they're going to expect to put their own stamp on the game. Uh, so I think we could quite imagine a scenario where we let them have a lot of early ball, let them make mistakes and capitalise, and that's what I hope will happen. Something similar to Australia, and if that happens, I think we could we could be quite comfortable. Another scenario is where they play really well, and I think they, they do have big games in them. You know they can beat anyone on their day, so if they come and they deliver a big game, it could go toe-to-toe. In, in that scenario, I would like to think that uh, we'd have the superior game management and kicking game, especially late down to close it out. So in that case, I'd say Wales by seven or eight points, uh, taking control of the game late on. I actually had an interesting chat earlier. So you remember Luciano Ocara, the the the, the Italian playoff? Yeah. Yeah. So he he's he's at the club. Like his son is one of the kids that I coach. And I was chatting with him earlier. And um because he's Argentinian and um, he was chatting with Martin Freitas the number eight year, and I had a chat with them and they were both saying that um, they they really hoped that Argentina picked Sanchez at 10 on uh, yeah. Saturday which I agreed with because I think they looked like a far more controlled team uh, Carreras at 10 is you know he's a flamboyant running fly half but like World Cup knockout rugby I think he's he's got a little bit found out in the big games and I think you need somebody who's going to guide you on the field, uh, make the right decisions at the right time, kick the points, potentially kick the drop goals when when it's needed. And I think Sanchez is that man. They both seem to think the checker was going to go with Carreras. So that selection is key for Argentina. Um, I hope they go with Carreras because I, I, I think that will play heavily in our favour. I don't rate them as a game controlling playoff. Whereas Sanchez, he's, he's been there, got the T-shirt. He's one of the best in that sense. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see which way they go. I'm I'm crossing my fingers they pick Carreras. Yeah, same. Okay. Every every game they've played, when they've brought Sanchez off the bench, they've immediately looked better as soon as he comes on the pitch. I mean, Sanchez is basically like our, our Dan Bigger and Carreras is like uh, their, uh, you know, Costello. He's a, he's got, he's great. Although I think Costello is best. I, th- I, I would trust yeah, far... Yeah. I'd far more trust in Costello. Like if 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 he if he had to play if he had to start on Saturday, I'd be fairly comfortable with that. I think he'd be all right. But Carreras, I think he's a bit of a loose cannon. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily. If I was Argentinian fan, I wouldn't necessarily trust him to uh, to manage the game for me. So Hugh, your your prediction, your expectations of the game, and your uh, 
your prediction, your score prediction? Well, I've been doing a bit of research on some other stuff today. Uh, and I've found that if you look back at all Wales's games so far in 2023, we have conceded more penalties than our opposition in all but one game. So, you know, whenever you hear a pundit talking about, oh, giving away too many penalties or, or whatever it is, binged off the park, it's not actually an indicator of um, whether you're going to win the game or not, it turns out, against the stats. But um, I think it is going to be one of those games where it's just going to be behind the sofa type watching. Do you remember France last time where it was they'd had a man sent off early on and we um we were top of the world top of the world at the time and it was that dodgy straight up in the air rip that went down and couldn't prove that it had gone forward and therefore the try was allowed. I think it's going to be one of them. I can see Kremer getting sent off in like the second minute and then they're but they're still leading with like three minutes to go and we're camped on their line. I I I don't think it's going to be a good watch. I think mm. it probably I would go. I can see us winning it by two or three, two or three. See, I think you boys just lack the belief that that is needed in Welsh rugby at the minute. I I think we're just going to take them apart. I think from the first kickoff, we're just they they're going to be. They haven't really done anything in the World Cup so far. Uh, not hold really on, I did up. I did see. <laughs> I did say if we play like against Tree, we'll absolutely batter them. I reckon that, that could happen too. I, I honestly do. I think if we play like that and we keep our foot on their throat and we control the game with Anscombe Bigger just running the show, I reckon uh, Argentina, they, like you say, I think you were about to say, they make a lot of mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They've, they've not really set the world alight. I mean, neither have we, but we've scored a lot of tries. And I just think that... You know, there's, there's there is a big performance coming from that Welsh side. I genuinely think that there's there's a lot of something left in that Welsh side. So I'm gonna go Wales by twenty and fuck them, because uh, you know that's that's. Let the way I it tell is. You, can I have a can I have a moan? Right, yeah. it's just a, a moan on that point. Yeah. If we could beat them by twenty and still there'd be fucking there'll still be people not reading us. Still <laughs> yeah. everyone's saying oh they were oh but they're still shit and like oh the weak side of the draw and all that like bollocks. There'll yeah. still be people coming on about that. And, I, and and frankly, I I don't know I don't know if I could cope with a semi final island week. Uh, yeah. That would just that would just ruin me. I don't know if I could. See, I would I would much rather get Ireland in a semi final than yeah, New Zealand. Hundred percent agree with that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think Ireland are the better team, but at the end of the day, they're Ireland. You like you look at them, thinking, okay, we we out throughout the course of our rugby history, we've had the better of Ireland. Uh, you know, we know the think... players week in, week out. We've beaten them, they've all beaten those players on, on any given day, whether it's at a club level or an international level. They're going to say, the, the team talk is, boys, fucking Ireland. <laughs> you know, we, we say, you don't need to mo- motivate them. We say, look, these boys, you all beaten them. You fucking hate them all. You, you, I know you all hate them. So let's just let's just get into them. And I, I think there won't be the psychological edge where you get with the uh, New Zealand. We haven't beat them in 70 years. and uh, you know, we lack in that self belief. Even though Ireland, I think objectively are a better team than New Zealand, mm. um, I think uh, that's that's a more. I feels like a more winnable match. It's like it feels like a match we could just become completely attritional and crazy and win on passion. Whereas you know, a New Zealand match is not going to be like that. No. Yeah. So the better rugby team is going to win, and that's probably going to be them. <laughs> so as Ireland, I- Ireland, we could drag them down to our level, and we could like. You know, it's like get into them a little bit, get Mahoney Mo- 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 to do something stupid. Um, you know, it's, if Sexton has an off day, hmm. yeah, yeah we just need, we need somebody to get in into Sexton and make him. Well, hmm. this is for next week's podcast, right? Like, <laughs> thinking, no, but I'm see, already I'm already thinking about it. I'm it's already in my head space, you know. That'll just wind the Scottish up because, you know, <laughs> we're sitting there thinking about what happens when we win the quarterfinals while they're going, hey, we might be home for the start of the URC. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's a, a very different. So, right, one final prediction, just because I know there's a couple of English people that listen. Score between England and Fiji. So, Ed, score between England and Fiji. Um, I'm saying I think it'll be an absolutely awful game. Um, I think Fiji are struggling for form and they're struggling for inspiration, but I still think that they will pull something off the bag uh, late on in a low-scoring game, and I think they'll win 17-15 against yeah. England. 
who will probably only kick penalties. Um, and I think there'll just be one moment of magic late on. It'll be a bit like the Samoa game, uh, except it'll be Fiji who has the last word and they'll send them packing. <laughs> Fiji are... Um, and, we'll, and the whole world will rejoice as when in a warm and loving embrace. Apart from Nick Knowles, who's going to go and live in Scotland. So, uh, you... <laughs> What, is he? Score? Is Nick Knowles? Nick Knowles? Is he the? Is he the guy who presents uh, the, the, the 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 rugby on HTV England? No, no, he, no, no. He does a, that's DIYSOS. Yeah, DIYSOS. Yeah, he got involved. He, he he's a like a minor Z-list celebrity that presents quite a decent program that relies ah. on a, a lot of other people to do work for free. And uh, then okay. He when we beat. Um, Fiji, he was all yeah. over it about you know the referees, this and where yeah, I saw that, yeah. So, but I, I thought he was the bloke who presents the rugby on HTV because he, he looked, look they like look it. the same. No, they do, no. they, do look, they look the same, but no, it's just generic. Because <laughs> I was when Wales were down in Port, when they were, there was a load of fans down in East, and I was chatting to someone, I was giving some Mick Knowles chat because I'd seen when he's on. I thought he was the HTV, um. Because I don't watch the tell, like I've been over here for, for like almost twenty years, so I don't know anything about the tell, who's on the telly or what the show TV shows yeah. are like. But no. I saw him. I thought he was the TV presenter from HTV. No, he's he's just a Z-list dickhead that decided to wade in. Well, and then he went, oh, but I've got family from Swansea. I can't be racist against the Welsh, you know. I've got family in Swansea, and, and his family are going fuck off, son. You're in England now. You can disappear. <laughs> so, yeah, you can fuck right off. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, gents. Oh, I, uh, my prediction is obviously uh, Fiji oh, by twenty. Mind. Yeah, I was going to say, what's your be quickly there? What's your what's your prediction? What's your score prediction? So, so Fiji, I like Samoa, but better. Yeah. So I'm going um, Fiji by five. There you go. See, that's more like the kind of uh, Wales to win, England to lose. You can't get better than that to finish a podcast. Yeah, that's what, that's that's what. <laughs> That's what the audience is after, isn't it? That's what puts the viewership numbers yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> crowd pleasing stuff, you know, crowd pleasing mm-hmm. content. What do you reckon about the other two then uh, quarters? You quickly uh, what do you reckon about that about those two? I cannot call France all backs. I think the thing that favours France is it's their home World Cup. Sorry, France Springbok, sorry. Yeah. I can't call that. I think the thing that's in France's favour is their home World Cup and they've got the romance on their side, which is a real thing. And I think the Springboks are massively underrated. I think they're excellent players, 1-15. to 15. I can't call it. I think I'm going to go France just because it's at home. I think that's literally the deciding factor. I, I think France will win that easily. I, I don't I don't see, I don't get all the chat, to be honest. I think they're a superior team. I think they're going to have more power, finesse than South Africa. They're going to be inspired. I think they're making a mistake if they pick Dubon. That's for certain. Uh, I think if they pick Dupont, that's a marketing that's a marketing thing because he's 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 on every his his face is on everything over here at the moment. Uh, Luku is one of the best canards in the world, and he plays his club rugby with Jalibert. They run like clockwork, and they should back exactly. Him. That's my point. And and if they want to if they want if they want to get and but it's not you talk about Luku like he's like uh, like he's fucking Gareth Cooper or something like you know he's, he's or like you know some like. Some like uh, fourth choice club, clubs come off. Like he's not. He's one of the best clubs in the world. He'd be starting pretty much any other nation. He has mm. uh, intrinsic understanding with Jalibert. He should. They should start him. If they want to nurture Dupont back in, they should give him twenty minutes off the bench. But I, I think I I can see France doing a job on South Africa. Fifteen points. That's just because you don't like South Africans and you enjoy a Twitter battle with them, mate. <laughs> I, I do like South Africans. I do like South Africans. That's genuinely my opinion. I, I just think that uh, I, I think France, uh, if France click as they have done, they will blow you away. I mean, remember what they did to England at Twickenham last year or this year? Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they are they capable. Destroyed they destroyed them. I mean, the, the result in the first match against New Zealand heavily flattered New Zealand. That could have easily been a, a 30 point massacre. Mm. Um, so I, I I think South Africa are not the team they were four years ago. And oh. yeah, okay. so, so think, let's let's wrap it up within who's winning the World Cup. So who who's lifting that in a couple of weeks' time? Go on, Ed, you're first. <sighs> Wales. 
Yeah. 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 That's the hammer. <laughs> we finishing on that, do we? Uh, we finish on that. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't. What do you reckon, boys? What do you boys reckon? I'm I backed the All Blacks either. before the tournament, and I'm sticking to it. I'm not changing my mind again. I've, I've changed no, my no. mind too many times, so I'm sticking with the All my, Blacks. My, my serious prediction was France. So I stick with that. Yeah, and I said Ireland before the World Cup, and I'm, I am sticking with that, even though that would mean that we get knocked out in the semis again. But oh, that'd be fucking unbearable. You can't. I just. Yeah, I know. God, I don't even want to think I about don't. it. I just. I just right. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, gents, Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I hope you've enjoyed it. And yep. uh, you're welcome back anytime during the season, especially if it's going well. <laughs> that, that would be good. But uh, yeah, thank you for coming on tonight, mate. Thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, gents, enjoy your rugby. And I'll see you again next week. All the best. Dear boys. Merci beaucoup. Thank you for listening to the Scarlet's Fever podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to us as it really helps us spread the word. You can find us on all the usual social media channels or email us on welshregionalrugbypod at gmail.com. And remember, whatever the question, rugby is always the answer. Podcast Network.